I wanted to start by saying, you know, we got, we got our, your, your Bible, you know, if you got your Bible with you, I know we do a lot of uh, uh, device, I usually read mine on my device, but uh, I also love the feel of a good Bible. I love to open it up, smell the pages, <laughs> just touch it, draw and mark on things, and I want you to know that I, I love this Word. I love the Word of God. It has helped me so many times in my life, this, this, the Word of God, just to be able to run to it. And I don't know how many times I've opened these pages when actually the Bible, as I was opening it up, it actually opened me up. How many times? Countless, countless times when getting into the Word spoke directly to what I was going through and gave me answers exactly what I needed. Or at times, maybe I didn't receive a word, but just opening the word and I felt the presence of God just by reading it and speaking it out. And maybe no word just jumped out at me, but his presence was there. I encourage you today from here on out, this is what I feel like the Lord's been just kind of stirring up in me these last couple weeks, is that he really just wants us to be open. He wants us to be open to him. Be open to go whichever way he wants you to go. You may have already planned things here and there, but just be open. Always be ready. Always be looking and listening to the Holy Spirit and saying, Lord, you're the one who's really leading. I'm not in charge. You are. And I'm ready to change anything you want to change or do anything you want to do. I'm open, God. I'm open. So as we get into today's teaching, I just want you to be to be open to what God is saying to you this morning and to us this morning as the body of Christ. We started a series several weeks back <coughs> um, called Koinonia, and uh, uh, it's on the study of the book of First John. And today, uh, we had, last week, we had a kind of, I don't want to say an interruption because it wasn't an interruption. We had we had uh, just a, a leading of the Holy Spirit to do something different, so we didn't teach it last week, so we're going to teach chapter 3 today. And the whole thing is about fellowship. The whole thing is about uh, just John's teaching is just like wanting us to get connected and to stay connected with God, to stay connected. That's that koinonia. It's, it really means fellowship. Koinonia is a fellowship. It's, it's also a joint participation. It's just not, it's just not a, a, a fellowship where we're just hanging out. There's, there's parts that we play in relationships. There's always parts that you play. There's something that you can do. There's something the other person can do, right? It's, it's that joint participation. And God will always do his part, but we have a part to play too. Amen. And working with him to allow him to have his way in our lives and through our lives. That koinonia also means it's a deep intimacy. It's the deepest fellowship. It's the deepest participation that we could have, period, is this koinonia. And it only happens first and foremost with God. It has to come and happen with God first. And then out of that koinonia, that relationship, that fellowship, that joint participation with him and his Holy Spirit, he allows us to be able to have that koinonia with other people in the faith. 
And then this is the love. This is the love that John was talking about in his gospel. He says, when, when people see this deep kind of fellowship, they're going to know that you're my disciples. They're going to know because it's not a surface thing. It is a deep, intimate thing that takes a joint participation in order for it to come about. And it comes about as we stay open to the Lord. Because he wants to open you up. He wants to open me up. He wants, he wants you to be open so that he can open up more of himself to you. Because there's deeper places to go. Last week we were at the breakers in, in the water, in the ocean. The breakers just holding back. Today we are past the breakers and we're moving out into the depths of God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 John chapter 3. See if we can get through this. Praise the Lord. I want to read this first scripture slow, and I want it to sink in because I think we brush past things too quickly. First John chapter three, verse number one. Today, you know, we've been talking about just that fellowship and kind of staying in fellowship. Today, I want to talk about practicing fellowship. But says in verse number one, see how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called <laughs> the children of God. I mean, we got to stop there for a second. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us. This is how great His love is that we should be called children of God, the offspring of God. And such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it does not know Him. See, we chase after the world and try to get them to understand that we're children of God, but how can they understand that, that we're children of God if they don't know Him? Because it's coming into knowing Him that we understand that we are children of God. This is the love that He bestows upon us, that He calls us children of God. And He just don't call us children of God. John goes on to say, and that's what we are. We need to take that fear, that insecurity, that for some reason thinking that we're no longer a son or a daughter of God after we believe that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior, and we still continue to believe that what we battle with the thought, if we are his children, you are a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And anything that, that is contrary to that, anything that would challenge that thought needs to be considered a threat and dealt with. Can you say amen? And that's what we are. Now I know that there's people out there, you know, you talk with people, well, we're all children of God. We are all his creation, but not everyone is a child of God. Well, what are you talking about? Well, yeah, God created every single one of us. There's a potential, and he wants every single person to be his child, but not everyone is a child of God. It says in John 1, 12, to all who believed him, and accepted him. He gave the right or the privilege to become children of God. To those who believed in him and accepted him. You can say it this way, to those who were open to him. 
to those who were open. He gave the right to become children of God. Verse number two, beloved, now we are children of God. Are he saying it again? He's, he's trying to just affirm our identity in Christ. Children, because of Christ, because of your confession of him as Lord and Savior, we are children of God. And it has not yet appeared as to what we shall be. That means there's more to be revealed in who we really are. We know that when Christ appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who, who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now, this purify themselves, this does not mean that you make yourself pure. He's the only one that can make you pure. He's the only one that can wash away the sinful nature that we were all born with. And that's how we when, we, when we repent of that sinful nature and we turn to God and we know that we have that need, he gives us a new creation. We are no longer have a, we, we you know, in our, our, our soul we're being, you know, sanctified, but the old sinful nature has died in him on the cross. He gave us a new nature, the nature of God, the nature of his Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, whereby we are now children of God. Are you with me? And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself. Doesn't mean you can make yourself pure. He makes you pure. It means this. Those who uh, have their, their hope fixed on him, they keep themselves pure. He's the one who cleansed you. It's our joint participation to stay clean with the cleanliness that he brought into our lives to be unspotted by the world. Doesn't mean we're gonna be perfect. It means when, you know, when your clothes are soiled and you, you know, if you, you have a garment, you know, and you're getting ready to go out, anybody go out, ever getting ready to go out and all of a sudden maybe you're eating something or drinking something and you've been anticipating wearing this outfit for a while and all of a sudden you look down and there's a spot there. What? I mean, if, you're, if you have like one of those little Tide sticks, you know, you take care of that and you, and you go out. If not, you have to wash it. You know, we get soiled just by living in the world. Just by being in the world, there's just a, a residue. You know, whenever, uh, if you've ever had like, you know, uh, wood, I mean, there's a lot of wood people around here in a sense that uh, burn wood and stuff like that. There's just that, that soot that comes out of the, the wood furnace, you know, or even out of the coal. This, there's a soot that's there. And if you stay around where, where it's floating, it, it, it kind of gets that dust, just like dust settles in your home. It's just there. Just by being in the world, there's, there's an element of soiling that happens in our lives. But we go to his word. We get washed by the cleansing of his word. We're working with him in joint participation to stay clean the way that he has cleansed us. Praise the Lord. So you keep yourself clean not by keeping the rules, but by being open to the relationship. You know, God, just, he just, just didn't give us a bunch of rules just to keep. It's not about the rules. If, if we're in relationship, it won't be about the rules. If we're focusing on the rules, then we'll forget about the relationship because rules don't lead to a relationship. But relationship enables you and empowers you to be able to keep those things within the relationship uh, that, that are there, those things that you know that are necessary in order to keep the relationship going. So the first thing I want to give you is this. Focusing on the relationship instead of rules keeps you in the love of God. Focusing on that relationship. 
who he is and who you are because of who he is. You are who you are in him because of who he is and what he has done. He goes on in verse number four. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness, not keeping God's laws. So I want to start off here because we'll, we'll get down into it, but when you see this word practices, and everyone who practices, that word practice means to make or to produce. It's a, it's a you're, you're practicing, you know, when you, whenever you do something, you're really doing it on purpose. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know, and if you don't know, you'll find out right now that Jesus appeared in order to take away sin. And in him there was no sin at all. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. doesn't say you can't sin. It says you will not sin because we're still talking about practicing those who are in him will not practice sin, will not make it a practice to sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning or practicing sin does not know him or understand who he is. They haven't really seen him, one translation says. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness or produces or is making it is righteous just as he is Righteous. I want to read that again. The one who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. And the Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Did he do what he said he was going to do? You can answer that. He said he appeared in order to take away sin, and he appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. The works of the devil were actually, you know, bringing sin into the earth, which brought the fallen nature, that sin nature in us. Jesus appeared to destroy that work. No one who is born of God practices sin. It doesn't say you can't sin. It, doesn't, it says you, you will not practice sin because his seed abides in him. And he cannot practice sin because he is born of God. See, we get to a place where I believe that there's, you know, we can sin. And, and there's times that we, we choose to do something that can be called sin or that is sin that we make that choice. But we have that conviction of the Holy Spirit. You can't practice sin and not be and be connected to God and not have the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If if we're going to practice, if we if I choose to be rebellious against God and I continue to want to really, you know, uh, be influenced by this old sinful nature that will always try to creep up and try to overpower you, if 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 I if I am more influenced by the sinful nature than the God nature that he has given me through my faith in Jesus Christ and your faith in Jesus Christ, I can start to be getting I can start to get numb to the things of God. You know, you've heard there's kind of like the kind of the scale, you know, you the more you lean to one area, the more you're going to listen to that area, the more you're going to be prone to you're really creating a habit, you're creating a practice. It's easier to practice this than it is to practice the other. It takes discipline. And 
If I make a practice of sinning, of doing those things that I know are displeasing to God, and I make a practice of it, I'm feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit while it's, while it's happening, and I continue to go that way, the Holy Spirit will begin to back off. What happens is he gets grieved. And he says, I- I'm, I'm there, I, I want to speak to you, but now you're grieving me because now I see that you want your way more than my way. And we're wondering, well, God, where are you? Why haven't you been around? What's been going on? It doesn't mean just because sometimes you don't feel his presence that you're actually practicing sin. Sometimes God will take us through seasons that we don't feel his presence because our relationship with him is based on faith and not feelings. Can you say amen? Joy is not just a feeling. Joy is a character of the nature of God. So if I want joy, I can have joy and not feel joy in my feelings and not feel joyful, but I can have joy in knowing that I am a son of God. And even if I'm walking through a valley of the shadow of death, he's going to be there. Even if I don't feel that he's there, I believe that he's there. Can you say amen? So if I'm choosing to, to, to walk and do my own thing, he's going to begin to pull back when he recognizes, hey, you're not, you're not wanting to listen to me anymore. You're wanting to do your own thing. He's not going to stop. But then if I continue to, down that road, I get what's called a, a callus. I get a callus. You know what a callus is? You get that area of your skin that kind of gets hard, you know, and you, don't, you can't feel. In some ways, it's good. Like I have calluses on my fingers from playing the guitar, and that's good because when I play the guitar for extended periods of time, it hurts without the calluses. You got to have those calluses there for protection. But when it comes to God, calluses are not for protection. Calluses are for avoidance. I know what you're saying, and I don't, I don't. And what it's doing, it is, it's, it's pulling us away from fellowship with God. Now, we can. I don't believe anybody's in here, but you, you can come to that place where once you, once you get past the place where it's callous and you're still doing your own thing and you don't, you don't want anything to do, now God's sending other people. You may, not, you may not directly hear him speaking it, but God will send people into your path to speak his word because he's trying to get your attention. And if I continue to say no, 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 I get to a place where it's called being seared. It's beyond callous because somewhere underneath the callus, there's, there's, there's fresh, there's, there's fresh flesh, there's, there's still nerves and things that are, a, a searing is like taking a hot branding iron and like, you know, searing the ends of my fingertips or taking my fingertips and pushing them into the hot coals and burning and, and I lose the feeling of my fingers. And then no matter what happens from there, I, 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 I mean, the only one that could bring that feeling back would be God. It's gone. But God wants us to have fellowship with him. He came. We are children of God. The devil comes to try to get us to, to challenge our identity just like he did with Jesus. We have to fall back on his word. He says we are his children. We have to believe that we are his children. We need to focus on that relationship. We need to run to that relationship. We need to be open to that relationship Every single day. He appeared in order to take, to, uh, to take away sins. He appeared to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin, but his, sin, his seed abides in him. And he cannot practice sin because he is born of God. One translation says this, he cannot practice sin because he is fathered by God. I love that. 
By this, the children of God, those fathered by him, and the children of the devil, those who have, been, who have never experienced salvation or can be considered fatherless, are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. Man, I want you to see this because producing righteousness is an empowerment given to the children of God. By being in relationship with him, he empowers us to be able to produce his righteousness. It's him in us. The fruit is in the root. I could cut the branch off and the branch won't produce any more fruit, but as long as there's fruit in the root, the root can create a new branch and there'll still be fruit on a new branch. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So he gives us the ability, you know, he's saying that because you're his children, because you're in him, because he is righteous, it's in you to produce his righteousness in the earth. It's an empowerment for you to produce righteousness. It's an empowerment for you to practice righteousness. It's there. It's in you. It's, 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 it's part of that in, innate part of that being connected with him. It's inside of you. It comes with the DNA of God that you produce his righteousness. Hallelujah. I know we can, you know, we make mistakes, but, you know, we, we condemn ourselves, and the devil, sure, he doesn't, he doesn't lighten up on us, does he? I mean, he continues on to condemn us as well. He'll take that little bit of doubt that we have. Am I still a child of God? If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you're pursuing a relationship with him, you are a child of God. You know, and his love is so great, just like that first verse, How great of love the Father has on us that he calls us his children. You know, sometimes my children may disappoint me. They may do things, say things that may disappoint me, but it never takes away the fact that they're my son and daughter. It's the same thing with God. We may may do things, we we may slip up and make mistakes and even actually sin at times, but at the same time, it never takes away the fact that we are his children when we're pursuing that relationship with him. It's an empowerment. You know, we're not, he, didn't, he didn't empower us to practice religion. You know, the Bible says that religion and the sight of God is this, to take care of the widow and the orphan and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. That's religion. There's other religions around the world who, who take care of widows, who take care of orphans, and even different, you know, monks and whatever, all these different things that they're, they're trying to keep themselves unspotted from the world. But that's not righteousness. You can can do acts of religion on your own, but you cannot be righteous on your own. That comes through that relationship with him, and it's an empowerment given to the children of God by the Father himself. Verse number 11. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. This is the message that's been, been repeated. If you've been reading with us the book of 1 John, this is what he keeps telling us over and over again. This is the message which you have heard from the beginning. This is like the third or fourth time he's told us that we should love one another. And you can't love one another without being loved on by God. You can't even love God without being loved on by God first. You think you can, but you can't. You can't love God. You can love with a worldly love. I have an affection here. No, but that deep, that deep, uh, you know, koinonia connection with God, that agape doesn't even happen until you are Im- impacted by the love of God himself. Then it empowers you. 
said, this is the message that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. Remember the story about Cain and Abel? Cain was jealous of his brother. They brought sacrifices to the Lord. Uh, the Bible says that Abel brought what the Lord was requiring, and he did it from his heart. And it says Cain just brought what, kind of what he had. He here, whatever, I'm just going to give this to you. And it was, it was displeasing to the Lord. And the Lord tried to correct Cain. He wasn't being hard with him. And, he, and Cain's countenance was fallen, and he was, he was upset. Really, bitterness began to come in. When bitterness comes in, boy, it'll change your relationship. And he began to be bitter against his brother, and he began to be bitter against God. And God confronted him and said, Cain, why has your countenance fallen? And he said, if you do well, it will be well with you. If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you. And he chose the wrong path, and he ended up murdering his brother. So it says, we're to love one another, not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And what was the reason that he slayed him? Because his deeds or the things that he practiced were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death and into life because we love the brethren, because we didn't want to practice the love of God before. But after being touched by God and having His Spirit empower us and that new nature that He's given us, He's empowered us to be able to love the brethren. We know that we have passed out of death, out of, out of the ways of darkness, out of the, the nature of Satan into the nature of God because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. If you want to say he who does not love, in the sense that we're not talking the worldly love, we're talking that agape love, the God love that he gives us, and we're giving that out. It's, it's just flowing from us. It's growing. That seed is within us, and it's growing. I mean, I remember when I first got saved, man, just the love of God was so strong. I just, the little things would just kind of fall off of you. The more time you spend in God's presence, the more you're going to be able to love on other people. Because you've got to constantly be able to receive from him. You can only give out so much until you need to take in. That's joint participation. Because every time you come into God's presence isn't about you getting your way. It's about coming in and connecting with him. He's got things that he wants to speak to you. And sometimes they're the things that aren't on our mind at all. How about that? We come in and you've been there. You go in and you're, you have one agenda. You come in and it not, doesn't mean that that's bad. You come in and you're just, you're seeking God about this and he just, out of the, out of the, the left field, he's just like, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, uh, what? But it means the most. It's what's necessary. It's what fills you. It's what empowers you to be able to go and do and produce him in the world. We know that we pass out of death and into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother, so strong, is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Isn't it funny? I mean, the Bible wasn't written for sinners. The Bible was written for believers. And there's a lot of rebuke that happens in the Bible, but that's what Paul told Timothy. He said, the Scriptures are good for edification, for rebuking, for correcting, for getting us back, right? It's God-breathed. 
And God don't want us to be a bunch of ineffectual sons and daughters in the earth that, yes, we're saved and we're going to go to heaven, but because we're dealing with these other things that are you know, through the devil or through our own, our own conscience and him playing with that together, that we're being ineffectual and being able to produce the kingdom of God in the earth. Are you with me? He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Last portion, verse number 16. For we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Doesn't necessarily mean, you know, I mean, it can be. I mean, there's people right now around the world that are giving up their lives for other people, giving up their lives for, for faith in Christ or sacrificing themselves so another, another person or family member can get free because of persecution. It's happening. It's real. And eventually, it'll come to America. It's, it's going to get dark. We've already talked about that. But just because it gets dark doesn't mean it has to be dark in our camp. Can you say amen? Now we know that this, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us and we ought also to give up our lives for brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love one another. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. Let me stop there for a minute. So, you know, there's always people in need, period. Always people in need. There's people in need that are in, in the world that don't we need to take care of those who don't know God that are in need, being able to love. You know, we, uh, we've been in our, in our Bible study, our B group, um, going through the culture, um, kingdom culture and really talking about a wealth mentality last week. And a wealth mentality is not, not being rich and thinking rich just financially. It's, it's the ideas that God has given so that we can give. It's generosity. And I'm not saying, you know, God, he, He's not saying this in here that we, we give everything up and we have nothing so everybody else can have everything else. But we do have surpluses. And God gives us surplus in order to be able to be a blessing unto other people outside of faith and in the faith. And if we do it outside of faith, how much more inside the faith that we take care of one another? But we also, at times, we need to be, if, if, you know, going through needs and stuff like that, sometimes people may come as like they have a need and we didn't even know it. It comes through, you know, whatever, secondhand or someone else, you finally, it finally gets to them and you find out 10, 10 weeks later that they had a need. Why didn't you say anything? You know, it, there's nothing wrong with saying, I need help. So I want to give you freedom. If you're going through hard spots or here and there, you know, the church is not meant to support every single person, but at the same time, we're here to be able to help get people on their feet as the body, whether it's as a, a church, you know, itself or the church at large or just individuals being able to bless somebody. You've heard us say this before. You don't have to wait for a church function to function like the church. You just let God's compassion flow through you and be a blessing. That's how people know that we love. And not just in talk, but in actions. 
So it says our actions will show that we belong to God so that, when, so that we, will be able, we will be confident when we stand before God. This is on that day when we stand before him and are judged. If, I, if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings or our consciences. And he knows everything. You know, sometimes our own conscience is just hard on us. We're hard on ourselves. But dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that are pleasing to him. Even in times, I mean, I, I thank the Lord for his grace and mercy because there's times whenever I could condemn myself or be hard on myself. And the key is to be open, to get back into his presence and let him speak to it. If something needs to be corrected, he'll correct it. A lot of times we're harder on ourselves and the devil is harder on us. Let's just be honest. We like to beat ourselves up. You're probably your own worst enemy. And God's like, no, 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 listen, I'm bigger than your heart. I'm bigger than your heart. You know, we may do things that, make, that may seem like, you know, uh, it, it was wrong or I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have said that. I feel bad about it. The idea that you even feel bad about what you said and you want to make amends shows that the seed of God's righteousness is on the inside of you. You don't go the other way and say, I'm condemned and I'm going to hell because I, I shouldn't have done that. It, we make mistakes, but the idea that you, that you want that to be amended and you run to the Father for it to be to amended means that His Spirit is living on the inside of you and His nature is there. If we don't feel guilty, we can stand before God in boldness if, if, and we will receive from Him whatever we ask when we obey Him and we do the things that are pleasing to Him. And this is His commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded. Those who obey God's commands, believing in his son, loving one another, remain in fellowship. There it is again, that koinonia. They remain in koinonia, deep intimacy with him, that fellowship, that joint participation with him, and he with them. And we know that he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us inside of us. Last thing, and let's stand. The more you receive the Father's love, the more you will be compelled to share it with others. Will you stand to your feet? Thank you, Jesus.